Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. So today we're going to open up with a quick question and then we'll transition pretty quickly to the uh, to the passage that we're going to be focusing on today. Uh, but I have a question for you, Jason. Uh, when you are meeting a stranger or you're talking to somebody you don't know very well and they ask you about your wife, like how you met your wife, what's like one of the first things that jumps to your mind or something you te- like the first thing that you tell somebody about um, your relationship with Heather? I, I think of two things. I think of um, we met when I was in the Adventures and Missions program, and and that was interesting because we're in Texas, and we both were from Ohio, but didn't know each other from Ohio, and so so I think it's interesting. And then the second thing I talk about is my first, though I had met her in passing, um, my first conversation. We were at a um, picnic table, and that just so stands out in my mind. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wow, impressive. Like we're having this conversation, and she's very convicted and decides like everything I wasn't she was and I was like that that's amazing so it wasn't there there was attraction there but it was like yeah uh, I I need that like like without being like compulsive or something like that but it but it's like that is that's striking and I hadn't had that experience with with most others that's why it stood out what what about you when that happens for you so you kind of have your jokey responses and your serious responses. But right. I, I think for me, it goes to like the first time I ever saw Hannah. Uh, I would have been about 12. She would have been about 15. We didn't get married till like, we didn't start dating till like 10 Six years later. later. <laughs> 10 years later. Go and ahead. I would have been a cool 12 year old. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I remember we were going to church camp and our, my church, Memorial Drive and Hannah's church at the time, uh, Collinsville, uh, we're going to camp together. It was the first day of camp. It was the first time I'd ever been to church camp. And we were at Burnt Cabin. And anybody who listens who probably has a familiar with Burnt Cabin, it's on this big hill. And I remember just seeing this beautiful girl that looks so terrifying. And if, it, if anybody knows my wife, you know that Hannah has this like very determined look. Like she's going um, and she's like, she's on a mission to to get something accomplished. And I remember having this feeling. And I never was like, that's the girl I'm going to marry or whatever. I just remember being like, wow, that, that girl is beautiful and just to- totally terrifying because she is on a war path to accomplish something. Um, and so I, I brought up this question because I think it's really fascinating um, when people, you know, ask a question about a pivotal moment in your life, like, what, what, why did you decide to do what you do? Or, you know, how did you meet your wife? Or, you know, we all have kind of a, like, how we want to preface these massive points of our life, mm. you know, because like who you marry, it's probably, you know, one of the bigger decisions of your life, top, top five or 10. I made that joke, I made a top five joke last week. Oh. Oh gosh, I'm running out of material. Anyways, no, but it's 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 a massive it's a massive question. It's a massive deal. And so you're talking to a stranger. Uh, you're talking to somebody who doesn't know you. You kind of want to set them up. You want to preface like um, what it is about like your spouse that is so pivotal to you, and like why they're cool to you. And so for me, you know, like seeing my wife like so determined and so beautiful and just like so fierce was one of the those original things that like is like so sticks out so much in my in my wife that she is like she's just a she is a fighter and like she fights for the thing that she thinks is right so i say all that to say today we're going to be talking um about a passage found in matthew chapter one yes it is a christmas episode um and i think it's really fascinating when we talk about um you know the christmas story and and what like when we talk about the christmas story 
and what the authors want to communicate, how they want to set up the life and the story of Jesus, um, and what that says about what that says about what the author is trying to communicate about who Jesus is and what sort of impact he has on our lives and, and what Jesus came to do. And so, um, yeah, we're going to be in Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. Now I I do want to contextualize this before this, you have the genealogies. So Mm -hmm. this is the first narrative aspect of this first gospel with, you know, because I think it, I just wanted to frame it as exactly what Connor's just saying. That's functionally what Matthew and God through Matthew is doing right here. He's saying, hey, there's this context, this historical context. Now I want, you, I want to share this important piece about what I'm introducing. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So, man, it's funny. Your uh, setup, it really caused me to read this different and think about it different. So I am curious, uh, how does it hit you? What, What amazes you about this encounter that we're shared? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a thousand things that are incredible about this story. The fact that this is the the, the main thing that's always been amazing to me about this is like this is um, this is how this is how God like this is how God wanted it wanted it to be. Um, he wanted the awkward like I don't know if he wanted the awkwardness is the right phrasing, but like God is God is full like in the person of Jesus coming to bear um, like in actual human reality. Um, he does not shy away from the awkwardness. He doesn't shy away from the uncomfortableness. Uh, he is fully throwing himself into like the muck and mire from the very be- from conception. He is <laughs> Jesus is um, fully partaking in in the human um, experience in all the most awkward ways possible. So that, that like there's so many things that I could, could go about. But what's just sticking out to me it's, it's a smaller thing. Um, but so you get the side of, in Matthew, you get the the side of Joseph, and then kind of more in Luke, you get the side of Mary. But but here Joseph has this really amazing reaction you know yeah his first reaction is like you know i don't want to shame her and so we're just going to divorce quietly um and i always think it's fascinating right because like this is a bigger deal than how we think of engagement right like he they use the phrase divorce so this is a much bigger deal um joseph is going to do this really honorable thing um and yet the amazing thing for me is that even um so you see you see the the awkwardness and the horribleness um, of the situation that Mary is placed and that Jesus comes in. And then you see the goodness of what humanity possesses of Joseph doing the right thing and not shaming this, this, this poor girl. And then you see God coming in and doing the even better thing and allowing um, Joseph um, as a representative of humanity to be even better than he could be before. Um, and so for me, like what has just stuck out to me the most is um, this is so fully human and Joseph is such a, is so fantastic. And Mary is awesome too. Mary is fantastic too. I'm not discrediting her at all. Joseph is so fantastic in this, in this moment. And yet with 
God, he's even better. And he, with God, the situation is even um, is is the, the situation is even better than he could have or we could have conceived. I think that's one hundred percent true. I, I think if we think about the societal, the relational pressure, um, there is an assumption that he's older. Um, that's very typical, you know, uh, in um, uh, Jewish marriages at that at that time. Um, there is a um, there there is a dynamic of small town that you just have to imagine. By this pretty small town, you know these these towns are small, and they didn't have a lot of distractions. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have you know they they got news. It's not they weren't even getting mail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's like they weren't getting telegraphs. They'd have one person maybe come in every once in a while that was saying, "Hey, here's what's going on in these other parts of the world." Um, and so it reminds me of that Tom Hanks movie, The News of the World. I don't know if you ever saw it, but he was going around. Literally, his job is he'd go around from town to town and read these newspapers from somewhere else because other than that news, there's just rumor. You know what I mean? And so he got paid to go read newspapers, you know, that were mm-hmm. sometimes a month old. And so that's these were very isolated people. So that makes you, when I don't have a lot of stimuli, then I shrink to whatever's actually there. So now I'm very interested in what are you doing? What's my neighbor Johnny doing? Oh, I mm-hmm. saw this. This looked off. Where I haven't seen her for a while. Yeah, you Mary know, and Joseph, can... they've been engaged for five years now. What's it, it doesn't look a little bit different? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so once she started to show, and of course we know from other places that she goes to Elizabeth, and and um, you know, so she's gone for several months, which I'm guessing is partly for her protection. Mm-hmm. But then Joseph's Joseph's at home doing his work. Uh, I mean, it is every conversation, hey, where's Mary? Where's Mary? I heard through the grapevine, she, is she pregnant? Did you? You know, so now he's in trouble mm-hmm. by the law, especially how they apply the law. So, yeah, there, there's a huge risk here. The, the thing that amazes me, and it just adds into this, is I dream a lot. I dream a lot. And, and sometimes Heather and I will process, okay, like especially on the more interesting dreams or, the, or I don't know, more relevant dreams, if, if that's the way to talk about it, we'll say, you know, one way to interpret dream is give give every aspect a voice. So if you have a dream and there was a door in it and a car and a laughing hyena, I don't know. This is just last night. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but you say, okay, I'm, what's, ready, I'm ready to interpret. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, I've already got your number. Uh, but yeah, what's the door saying? Why, you know, what is it saying? If the door could speak, what would it say? And, and with all the aspects of it, I never think... Hey, I need to make a serious decision that will put my reputation at stake. And and this is the other thing. I'm going now to be living with the information that my baby, well, not my baby, my wife's baby, is going to be the son of God. <laughs> That's oh no, no, I'm not entering that world. So you I, know. I just this just touched my mind is is you know and to this point so like joseph probably wouldn't have an idea of what a messiah is but like obviously when jesus comes and and says like i i'm the son of, like i'm the son of god like i i am god uh, that's not met super well that's not exactly the image of what they had the messiah but just right here like it's crazy i'm just not realizing it joseph is told that this 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 baby will save his people from their sins and also um he will be god with us um, and so he knows, like he pieces together from the first part, okay, this means this is the Messiah, this is the one we've all been waiting for. And the second part is saying like, this is this is a new thing, right? Like this is a new, con- this would be a new, con- I don't know, maybe he doesn't put it together right now, but if he does, the ramifications of what it means for God to be with us in the form of this baby, this is a whole new paradigm shift, not just for like, hey, like I'm going to like, um, like I'm going to accept this, my fiance or whatever, and, and all the crazy thing that's happened to her. Um, but I'm also accepting this new version of this thing that I've always thought 
was going to be a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And and so he's the first one. That's interesting. Mary got that dose when, you know, she was first told, she was first visited by uh, Gabriel. But that whole dynamic of, and who, yeah, that whole dynamic of every human has history. Every human has bias. So Joseph has bias. What does he think when he thinks of the Messiah? What does he think when he thinks of the purposes of the Messiah? Because clearly even the apostles even after being with Jesus in, in Acts 1, are like, hey, the Messiah is going to free us from, using this terminology, the sin of other people, the sin of the Romans, mm-hmm. the sin of them oppressing us, and we will be liberated, and we'll be like, you know, David and Solomon's kingdoms, we'll be powerful again, we'll have power in this world, and he's like, yeah, and he, it's funny because he doesn't say, you're so dumb, which <laughs> is the right answer there. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to answer that. When the kingdom comes, you know, he doesn't tell him. it just... They just learn it in real time with the Holy Spirit leading them. Well, I don't suppose Joseph is more enlightened than these apostles that spend two and a half years with Jesus. And so this dynamic of him taking this message in, in a dream that certainly I assume is qualitatively different than other dreams. I have to imagine that. But taking this message and then believing it to the degree that he was going to set his reputation at stake and... Then, then what are the implications? So now I'm raising the son of God. Mm-hmm. Now I'm raising the guy that's going to take away all the sin. Like how? Do, I mean, if you you're a father, yeah. you know what I mean. The expectations you put on yourself, the the stuff you you don't even know what to expect, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness! I mean, this the amount of stress. Well, so you you and, I were, you and I were before recording, we were talking about like all the different, you had a situation where you were talking about all, like we were talking about all the different permutations of decision, like the decision tree you could make over it. And I think about, uh, I think about like what he would be thinking, like as he puts together, okay, this is the Messiah. Wait, God with us is like, is this, is this actually God coming, coming to earth in my wife's uh, uterus that is also not my baby, but she is my wife, and now I'm raised. Now I'm going to be the earthly father of the Messiah, also possibly be the earthly father of God. Wait, is the Messiah still going to conquer the world? I'm just a I'm a laborer. Do I te- how do how how what about like military strat- like strategy? What about um politics? What about you know relig- I'm just like I'm I'm a worker. I'm a I'm a blue collar kind of guy. Like I, <laughs> I wonder like you know there's so much faithfulness in, in this simple thing. But man, I would love to one day have the conversation with Joseph of like what all was going on his like in his mind. Um, and we'll talk a little bit next week when we, we kind of cover a little bit of Matthew chapter two. Um, but just even going forward, yeah, that's got to be fascinating. Um, and there's something to be said here about the wisdom of Joseph, because like, if it was me, I get this crazy dream. I start thinking the ramifications and I get bogged down in the future where Joseph just goes, okay, like I was told by God, I need to, you know, like that I need to love and protect and serve, you know, Mary or, you know, that like, that's the path that I need to take right now. And so I'm going to take the steps for that. And maybe he, maybe he inside was internally screaming the whole time, like what the heck is going on? Um, but what we're presented here is this really beautiful picture, um, of, of Joseph just being simple in his faith and and going down the path um, one step at a time. Yeah, I I think so, and that, and that's. Yeah, and I, I talk about that sometimes about my life. I'm going to do this one step at a time. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. 
and then I see a, um, you know, probably a clickbait article, the 17 mistakes you're making as a dad right now, you know, and then I'm yeah. like, I can't do the one day at a time. I got to figure it all out. You know, th- this kind of the way our minds go. I don't possess the mindset of the average Jewish father. So I'm not even going to profess the more we would understand that, the the more, I don't know if it more complex or more simplifying that would be. But I have to imagine as a dad, and what you just said, I'm like, yeah, I've never even thought about that dynamic of saying a, a lot of times, even nowadays, the the moms take the lead those first few years and the dad is support. And, um, you know, we're, we try to be a good father and, and today, you know, it's, it's like paying attention. What's really a blessing? How do I? Um, you know, there's like a dozen TikTok videos out there on here's something I learned about how not to be a father when your kid's born, you know, kind of thing. So th- there's this sense of wanting to do well. And then there's a transition as they age. And like a lot of dads, that energy goes into coaching because it's something they do understand. I do. I may not understand all the emotional din- dynamics that my my wife and children share, but I move into this this these um, areas where I do have competency and we go into sports or hunting or whatever, you know, and I'm trying to teach them and we connect over passion. So then how is Joseph doing that? Now, there is an assumption that Jesus was a carpenter mm-hmm. um, because he's called the carpenter's son. Uh, and I don't know if there's a direct statement and correct me if you where Jesus was a carpenter. Well, know? and there's debate on the translation of that. Like you could, you had, I, I, it's been a while since I've uh, I've read it, but like it could be translated simply as laborer. It could be like as a like a day laborer, right? Um, but ultimately, same still, like not a lot of. Um, I, I don't know if it ultimately matters strictly. Either way, he would still be apprenticing in one way or the other. He would be helping out his father in one way or the other, right? And learning from him the trade of whatever he was doing. Exactly, and so through those eyes, you know, and, and it's an assumption. Just to be completely, you know, we assume that every parent, every father would train his son in his in his field, his, his career, simply because that's the way that got passed down, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a safe uh, bet. And as he's doing that, how is he thinking? I, he Maybe it wasn't the first person he apprenticed, but he's got to think about it differently or put it out of his mind totally. I, I just mm-hmm. think you can't have both. But if you're thinking this is the son of God, this is the one that will lead the armies of God, <laughs> he's not a military strategist. So is yeah. he teaching him, okay, so when you build this, this is how you build a catapult, and this is how you build a ramming, you know, Well, tool. and I, it's so fascinating. We'll maybe touch on it a little bit next week, but, like, the first, you know, first couple, like, first couple years of Jesus' life are just so intense, and they're cra- they're just, like, absolutely crazy. And then they get back from, you know, fleeing from Egypt, and life just kind of settles down real quick. And so there's an, there's an element, one— if you would ever like make up like, okay, God's going to come to earth. You wouldn't pick like a young unwed mother to do that. But still, if you're going to be like, okay, like God is going to come down to earth in the form of a baby. You'd be like, okay, it's going to be a pretty action packed time. Then you'd be like, yeah, for sure. Okay. Like for Joseph, like, man, I'm keep, I gotta keep my, I gotta keep my family alive and I've got to move them and I got to make sure they're okay. And you know, it's all this action. And then he comes back and now he's just living life. And then the only, the next thing we hear from here about Jesus, the next remarkable event that like is the next event that's recorded about Jesus is when, you know, he gets lost at the temple and stays there. And then it's another, you know, 20 years after that, that we hear from Jesus or thereabouts. Um, and so one, I love the idea. Um, I love what we see here in, in terms of, uh, in terms of like what it must've been like for Joseph, um, just the crazy, hectic, um, dangerous, uh, space he found himself in, but then I also love dwelling on like then there was a season of of relative peace, 
um, and their little backwater town. And so, yeah, there, there's so much there. Um, what, what perplexes you about this? Yeah, I, I think it's this same dynamic of what perplexes me about me and God is that that's it. That's all the data. I mean, it's just like there's so little data. Uh, my my stepfather is, we're planning to get him a knee replacement. Yeah, It's a knee replacement, surgery they've done a lot. I got a three-ring binder. It's like 35 pages. Then I have to go to a one-hour class. Then after the one-hour class, then I do a 30-minute to an hour pre-op appointment explaining every little detail for a knee replacement, Okay. If you have a baby now, they want you to go through all these, you know, classes and and read these books and da 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 da, and then keep reading and be on this blog and blah blah blah, you know. And I think we think, yeah, that's kind of the bare minimum, you know. If we encounter somebody like you didn't go to a class, you didn't read the, you know, what I mean, yeah. nothing really, you know. He's got what six sentences here, maybe, you know. It's just, it's staggering, and it's in a dream, which, even a dream from God, how, um, I don't know how. You just think about that differently than somebody saying, look, I'm going to give you instructions about the most important thing in your life, mm-hmm. you know? And then I'm like, okay, I got married, and I'm like, what, what does the Bible have to say about marriage? And he got a few verses, usually backhanded, meaning somebody was doing it wrong in the letters, <laughs> and then and then Paul or Peter or whoever are writing to the people doing it wrong and saying, hey, don't do these things wrong, mm-hmm. you know, do it right. But the do it right part is usually a half a verse, and the doing it wrong part is like, you know, the rest of the verse and maybe three other verses. Yeah, and it's coming from a guy in Paul who's like, but you probably shouldn't get married. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, married, then go ahead. And, and Peter maybe. maybe was married. You know, I mean, he was married at one point. You know, <laughs> we, we don't even hear about it. So it's, so it's just this very interesting, this is a super important part of my life being married. I mean, I think so much of my discipling comes in that, meaning I'm discipled by God through that. And then I have kids and so much of how you disciple and, and you know, your children and this kind of thing. And there are zero books in the New Testament called How to Disciple Your Kid, mm-hmm. you know? And yes, I can piece together this one another passage and this instruction. But number one, all of those one another passages, all of those instructions that we find in the letters are in context. So I've got to understand the context of that before I can really apply what's being said, you know, because a lot of that applies directly to the Jewish communities or the Greek communities they were in. Um, and then I've got to extrapolate those to the... Um, you know, this time and the different cultural changes, different worldviews, different paradigms. And I'm like, that seems really, really, and I feel like this has been a theme of the last few things, messy. It's really messy. Mm-hmm. And it could be clean. Give me a manual. Say, read page one. Go do a little bit. Come back. Reread page one. Now read page two. Now go do a little bit. You know, when I was in the Army, there was a lot of things I didn't like. But, man, they would say, hey, today we're going to learn about this. And they would give us the content. Then they would test us. And that forced us to really learn that content. And if we didn't have it, we'd have to go back and do it again. And if we didn't do it again, we had to do it again. You know, mm-hmm. the same class, three, four, five times, whatever was necessary, because you have to get this. And God, in a dream, no less, which dreams have certain qualities, you know, says here is like six sentences. And there's no real sense that he gives him further instruction on how to do it other than when Herod is going to kill everybody. And he says, hey, you got to get up and you got to get up and move. Or, or the, no, the, that, the wise men came. Mm-hmm. So what's the other instruction to Joseph unless there's some backhanded thing that we don't know about. But my point there is the tiny bit of information God gives us and the huge uh, volume of content that at least I feel like I need to live life well. Yeah. You know, and and I'm 
I know the answer is, yeah, he's wanting you to trust him, not your understanding of the material. But then I'm also built with the capacity that wants to understand the material whenever I want to do something right. That to me is, it's perplexing. It is. Well, and it, so it's really fascinating. I think about, I, I don't, I, I've, I've heard people's like convert, quote unquote, conversion stories that are not similar to mine, but I feel like a lot of moments where people, like the moment where somebody realized like, okay, yes, I, I trust Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Um, for the most part, like for a lot of people, sometimes like they come to that place and then they go, oh my gosh, what does this mean for, you know, my, my spouse? What does this mean for my family with their kid? Like, what does it mean for the people at like school? What does it mean for my jobs in the future and college choices and all this sort of stuff? But I, I know for me, um, I win like that ultimate, um, uh, that ultimate decision and also feeling of like, yeah, this, this is, this is Jesus who he is. This is what it is. This is, um, I, like I, I have to go down this path, um, I, the questions didn't come till later, right? The questions didn't come till like, I, now that I'm a more mature and, a, you know, a much, uh, a much better Christian. Now I have the questions of like, well, how, what does this mean for X, Y, and Z five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road? Um, but for me, I remember in that moment and it, it, it was a, it was a massive, um, catalyst of a moment that rocked every foundation of my life. Um, but yet for me, like taking that first step was, um, taking that first step was simply just taking that first step. And I really wasn't concerned about 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And so I think it's funny because it is perplexing because like I do feel like I, I, I'm closer to Jesus now. I, I understand so much more of what Jesus wants to teach me and who he is and what he came to do. But then there's parts that go, man, there's a level of faithfulness and maturity that I would love to get back to the point in which I accepted who Jesus was. Um, so yeah, I, but I still, echo, I still echo your perplexion because even saying all that, I'm still like, but yeah, maybe like an extra, like just, just double it. Just an, just 12 sentences would be nice. Just 12 would be mm-hmm. even, even better. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally echo what you're saying. And I like, we know the answer, but yet it still is this, it still is this perplexing, but, but yeah, God, but still, but come on, come on. You know, yeah, that's come right. On. Yeah. Um, so what, what perplexes me, Jesus has the most humble, humble beginnings that you could possibly have. Um, and, and it's so it's so hard because the physical the physical realities of how Jesus um, comes into the world and how his earthly parents are processing what's happening are, are so outrageously humble and they're so awkward and they're so bizarre. Um, but then you have this majesty of of Mary and Joseph in that Mary and Joseph are um, it'd be weird to use a t- uh, use a Greek term here, but they're just such they're s- such titans of of faith and they're so. Um, like they're, uh, as I get older and as I get further away from being younger as like young as they probably would be, um, I just become more and more astounded by them. Mm. Um, and so you, you see Jesus comes in the world in just the absolute most humble beginnings. And yet in, um, in possibly in the upside down kingdom, the best possible, um, the best possible way. Um, and so it, it's perplexing to me because, um, it's just fascinating to me as like as Jesus told a story of like so as he's sitting around the fire at night with his disciples or whatever and you hear wait Jesus from Nazareth and oh yeah what, what were your parents like what was this like and you hear the story of um, of the humbleness of, of how the Messiah is coming coming to coming to earth um, it's just this 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 play against each other of um, of everything about Jesus is screaming of the upside down kingdom I mean like everything about his 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 birth about his young childhood about his adult life about his ministry is just screaming of 
hey, what you value is not what I value. My kingdom is not of this world. It's upside down. It's countercultural to what you always thought it was going to be. Um, and I, I guess the perplexing thing becomes is yet we still, I myself, are still trying to fit Jesus. Um, I, I'm still trying to fit Jesus into these um, non non humble but I, I don't I don't even know how to I don't even know how to capture maybe the feelings that I'm having in this moment um but yeah I, I think mostly it's just this the the difference um and maybe it's an amazement and a perplexion at the same time um Jesus his 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 beginnings I'm not even talking about like the angels and the wise men or anything like that I'm just simply talking about his parents um you would think when we think about what it is for a kid to have a good shot at life you think, man, you really want a stable household. You want the parents to have a good income. You want them to, you know, already kind of be settled in life. The father to live. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. Son graduates. For sure. For whenever sure. Whenever Joseph dies. For sure. Um, and yet you go here and you go, this, these are the hum most humble beginnings. And yet they are in the kingdom of God, the most majestic beginnings that you could possibly imagine. Mm. And it's so hard to think about um, these, you know, really young, a really young teenage Mary and probably a, and probably a older teenage Joseph being the perfect parents for Jesus. Um, that is such a perplexing thing to think about. Yeah, so th it's just utterly, um, it's utterly mesmerizing to me um, that, that one, God would choose Mary and Joseph, that he would choose the situation, and that it was the best possible choice for Jesus to come to earth. Um, not just because it had to be what prophecy foretold, but because these unique individuals in these um, and, and, and these hard circumstances they found in were so um, were so built for for the upside down kingdom. So uh, I sent I sent Jason a picture um, and I will I will post it on in the, in the episode description. But Jason, you want to describe to me um, the picture that I sent you? Yeah. So the picture is uh, you have a, a couple and she's pregnant. Uh, they're sitting at a storefront of a convenience store, uh, I think, and she's sitting on an out-of-order uh, horse, like a, <laughs> a, you know, one of those like uh, mechanical horses yeah, mechanical. that kids will ride on. And uh, they're, they're current. She's got a hoodie on, Nazareth High School, and he's looking in a phone book, and his name is Jose on his, on his tag, like he's a, he's a mechanic. Uh, I, th I assume that's phone book. Yeah. Yeah. The and, and there's all these references to different things in the Bible. Yeah. There's good um, news. There's a candy bar ad says good news and there's smoke wise man, wise man cigarettes. And yeah. And, and so I, I brought up this picture and, and I really would encourage you to, to click on, click on it in the episode description to see it. Um, because depictions of Mary and Joseph are, are always, uh, can be very compelling if done right, no matter, uh, kind of what medium they fall under. Um, but I think for me, one of the ways that like, you know, and I, one of the ways I need to honor maybe um, the choices of God and who he chose to, you know, to come to earth as, uh, to come to earth and to be parented by. Um, and do I, do I earnestly believe, um, am I earnestly looking at people like this in this picture and saying, man, not only can like, maybe they be redeemed, but maybe, um, maybe just maybe their situation um, is Maybe they're maybe they who they are as people um, are screaming of the upside down kingdom of God. I, screaming might be the wrong word. Everything maybe maybe who they are and their station in life um, 
and the kind of people that has led them to be, um, maybe those very things that I would overlook are the things um, that are so crying out, that are so um, broadcasting um, what the kingdom is about. Yeah, I think so. I, in one thing I didn't mention is there's a hotel like in the background, uh, Dave City Hotel, no vacancy sign that says, I need to figure out is free HBO. Does that say something? I'm not missing. There's an E, but in the new manager, the A is gone. So it says new man, new manger. Uh, very, very clever. Very, very, very clever. Yeah. I, I think this, this is useful in really putting, because what I don't like nativity scenes in general, partially because they have wise men there and that's biblically inaccurate. There were no wise men at the, at the manger and not to be too, Legalistic, but it does. Always That's why you threw up my me. daughter's Fisher Price uh, nativity set. I did. I <laughs> smacked that wise man right from her hand. But yeah, so so there's that piece, but it also it kind of glorifies the manger. It's like, oh, how holy the manger is. I'm like, well, have you ever been to stockyards and have that overpowering smell of animal dung? And you don't think, man, I'd like to do something really intimate and you know health conscious here, you know. So it's just it's it's messy. It's scandalous. It, it's like messy physically, like. The risk they took and her traveling, like if she had preterm labor, she'd be in trouble. If, you know, I mean, if there's trouble in the delivery, she'd be in trouble. Um, risk, 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 risk. And, and that just further perplexes me about how do I, is the only message here for me is, hey, just trust God, just trust God. But is there also a message of don't be afraid of scandal, don't be afraid of danger, don't be afraid of risk, don't be afraid of that. You know, I, I'm like, do does my the way I try to walk with God does it even involve those things? Because I spend all my life trying to make it safe for me, my wife, and my kids. I, I mean, I, I spend all my life doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I've had opportunities to go do things that were riskier, and and I'm not even talking about like going to a foreign country. I didn't yeah. know anybody with, you know, what I mean, or going to a, a city where I had no people or or whatever. But but it's it's that dynamic of. I think that's unwise because, and here's the kicker, I don't feel peace with it. Now, there have been moves I've made that I made, and they felt very risky to me, and I felt a certain peace, but even if not, I had a sense, no, this is what God wants. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, do I perceive, so I've been at this church that I work with for 20 years. I love it. I love the people. There's all kinds of heartache I have tied up in it uh, as well. But in general, I feel like I could do this till I die. But then I'm like, when I get a job offer, when I get a, hey, you should consider doing this, I mean, it would have to be a parting of the Red Sea for me to even really consider it because I feel like, no, this is where God led me. Yeah. Well, by the same power that God led you here, could he not lead you someplace else? And and I think that I can, I think that you can miss a lot of signals from God and still be saved. I, I don't think there's, this is a bad matter of my salvation, but I do wonder, are there just tons of stories that I'm resistant to? Well, then now when I think about that, I'm like, I don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and I think the, the, the com add to add to the complexion of of the situation for Joseph protecting you know protecting Mary and and baby Jesus that was that was the calling that God placed in his life in that moment finding um, the most peace and the most safety was the calling that he placed in his life and so it's like it's not it, there's never a prescription of okay 
C is always the right answer on the test. Um, but there is a there is a method in how you get there. And so yeah, I mean we could we could keep going here. Um, one, I you know it's this it is one of those things that's always helpful for me to remind myself. I've always been really skeptical of like of the Catholic veneration of Mary, and and, I'm, and, it, and it probably goes a little too far. Although you know I've had conversations with Catholics where I go oh, that makes a lot of sense. But for me, for the first time, I'm going man when we talk about holiness and holiness different um, set apart. Um, the actions of Joseph and Mary here are so holy, and so we, the holiness of the manger. Yeah, that's that's something. Um, but the holiness here of of the mother and father of the Son of God um, is so set apart and so beautiful. And so, man, I just want to I want to honor them and um, maybe say sorry for the times that I um, <laughs> took it. I, I didn't I didn't treat it I didn't treat them um, with the respect that they, they probably deserved. Um, so I'm excited. We'll, we'll, we'll again touch again a little bit on Matthew chapter two next week. Um, and so we invite you to that grace, peace, and love.